Good morning. Welcome to Bethel. You may have a seat. We hope we are so glad you guys are here this morning. So if you haven't noticed, welcome to our student takeover Sunday. Our praise band was all students from our student ministry. And then I'm here today with Lily and Kayton, who are also a part of our student ministry. And I just, I love that they're getting to have a part in serving. We're so glad to have them. We're so glad to have you. Um, we see a lot of visitors in the house today. We're so glad you're with us. My name is Christy, and it truly is an honor to have you. And um, we want to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that is to go to our website, which is mybethel.cc connect. And right there, there's a little form to fill out. And when you do that this week, we can reach out to you and just see, hey, do you have any questions? How can we better serve you? How can we get to know you? And so that's what that's for. And if you're actually in the house, the seat back in front of you has a QR code and some information right there as well. So we're so glad that you're here and you're just we're honored that you visit us today. We're continuing our series on Acceptable Lies. Let's get started. morning, Bethel. <laughs> I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Carter Bradford, and I am the youth pastor here at Bethel. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, a little about me. Um, I have been to Bethel most of my life. My uh, grandpa used to be the pastor for a long time, uh, so I've grown up in this church. I left for about three, four years. Um, I went, met my wife, Emily, when I was gone as well. <laughs> and um, yeah, so then whenever COVID happened, um, we came back around that time. We came back to Oklahoma, and we've been here ever since. And we've been here at this church, and we've been helping with the youth group for a little over a year now. Um, and as you guys can see, this is our student takeover Sunday, as Christy was talking about. So you're going to see kids up on stage, Kate and Lily doing the announcements. If you look back behind you, you're going to see kids doing, um, doing slides, doing the cameras. You're going to see kids. Um, you might not see them, um, but they're still serving. They're going to be in the nursery. They're going to be upstairs um, with the little kids. Um, you're going to see coffee, biscuits. You're going to see kids everywhere. So I want to encourage you all, after this service, if you see a student and you see them serving or you see them with one of those the red question marks, you know they're out there, they're serving. Just encourage them, you know, tell them that they're doing a great job because that's what we're here for, right? We're supposed to encourage that next generation. So um, I would uh, love if you guys could just come alongside us and do that. But we're so proud of our students, the time and effort they're putting in. And um, because of our student takeover, uh, Ray and Ruben, you know, uh, allowed me to come up here and speak to you guys as well, which I'm a little surprised after the last time I spoke. You know, I don't know if they are as confident in my ability. No, <laughs> they, uh, they have been alongside me and Emily as we have been leading the youth group, and they've encouraged us along the way. And so um, I'm excited to share a message with you all this morning and just get into God's Word with you guys. So this morning, we're going to be starting in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, which says, 
Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Then we'll jump to verse 5. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. The past month here at Bethel, <clears throat> me, Ray, Pastor Ray, Pastor Ruben, Randy have been, uh, Pastor Randy have been going through this series, Acceptable Lies, um, in, which is lies that um, we have made an agreement with ourselves, culture, and society to collectively accept as truth. And so the lie that I want to discuss today, the acceptable lie in today's culture, is the lie that if I raise my kids in church, they will be good Christians. If I take my kids to church every week, they go to Sunday school, youth group, they're, they're here every Sunday, that that alone will equip, equip my students to find and follow Jesus. So we're not going to have a um, a full camp Sunday, like in, in years past here at Bethel, we've had um, a full camp Sunday. We'll have the slideshows. We'll have a lot of students come up and, and speak. And I know Kane and Lily talked a little about what they loved about camp. Um, we're not going to do a full service like that, but I do want to share for a few minutes just um, how impactful camp was for Emily and I and our other youth leaders um, this summer. So it was about a month ago now, and we, we just loved it. We loved getting to know your students. We loved getting to know the students of this church and um, having some deep, meaningful conversations and getting to, to know them better. Um, and also, you know, Cheyenne Williams here this morning actually accepted Christ as her Savior, and she's getting baptized here after the service. Yeah, let's celebrate that. It's incredible. It's amazing. We had some amazing times. Um, you know, as you were talking about, we did a lot of fun activities. It was a great time. But I... Um, I can't tell you it wasn't also difficult. I can't tell you it also wasn't um, a hard time for us as leaders too because we saw that these students were going through a lot of very difficult, difficult things. With COVID this past year and a half, I think, you know, it amplified the problems for everybody across the board, but our students aren't immune to that. They are having problems just the same, um, and we, we got to see a, a little bit of that, and it's it's a hard time for, for all of us, but our students are really struggling too. And yes, a Wednesday night Bible study once a week is great for them. Events where they can come here to the church, they can hang out in a safe environment, um, be with other peers and friends here at the church is great. Um, our worship events that uh, we would be having, um, they're very impactful, very great for these students, um, and, and we love doing those with them. But that is not enough. Their faith in Christ, their identity in Christ cannot just come once or twice a week in this building. It has to start in the home. So this acceptable lie in our culture that we collectively agree, we collectively take on and take on as truth, this acceptable lie is, you know, if I raise my kids in church, they'll be good Christians. This lie just doesn't come from maybe the people we all talk about, oh, they only come to church on Christmas and Easter. They only come a couple times a year. That doesn't just come from that. I've noticed more and more over the years this mindset that if I bring my kids to church, they'll be good Christians. I've seen this mindset 
from churched people. People are in the church every Sunday morning. Many have the mindset, well, I'm a church person. I'm a member of so-and-so church. And so if my kid starts coming to this church, they're now a member of so-and-so church. And like, I'm here every Sunday, so they're going to keep coming every Sunday. And then, you know, after they graduate and they go in the real world, they'll be a church person too. They'll find their church. They'll be a member. They'll have their name in the directory, um, and they'll be churched as well. But we've seen all throughout history that many times we have the tendency to replicate what our parents do, right? The things that our parents do, the actions that they take, we replicate. So if you, as a parent, maybe go to church every once in a while, or maybe you're that member of that church and that's it, well, they, they might do the same. Your kids have a tendency to replicate that. They might be a member of a church, only come a couple times a year, and it ends there. Say, I'm a member of this church, and that's it. However, more and more students aren't even doing that. Many of our students are walking away from faith entirely. When they leave high school, when they're off on their own, they either go to college, they, they go somewhere else, and this world has a lot of different ideas and opinions. There's, there's a lot of things to believe in nowadays, and um, your students can, can follow many different routes. And we're seeing more and more that our students don't even just please their parents by saying, I'm going to be a member of this church. They go out in the world, never believe in Christ, or never come back to faith again for the rest of their life. In Deuteronomy 5, right before our passage we talked about here in chapter 6, Moses walks through the Ten Commandments. And if you don't know, Moses um, was a leader of God that helped the Israelites out of Egypt, and he led his people through the desert, and he led them to the promised land. And Moses was tasked by God to give the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. And so, you know, from the mountain, he did so. But in Deuteronomy here, so that the first time he talks about the Ten Commandments is in Exodus, uh, the second book of the Bible. But he brings it up again here in chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, and he's talking through the Ten Commandments the second time he does. In chapter 6, this passage we just read, it's like a culmination of all those commandments together. It's kind of like a census. Like if you don't remember anything else, if you don't remember any of these commandments, above all else, remember this. Fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But how do we do this? How do we fear the Lord and then make sure our sons and our sons' sons do as well? How do we make sure our kids do as well? How do we make sure that when my kid leaves this house of mine, that they're following Christ and they're following after him? How do we show them to love the Lord their God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength? So let's keep reading here in verse 7. You shall teach them this commandment that we're talking about, to love the Lord your God and fear him. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. <clears throat> you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. <clears throat> to make sure your sons and your sons' sons fear the Lord, that your family comes to find and follow Jesus, that they leave your house and they're living for the Lord. You have to teach these commandments to your children, these commands to love the Lord your God and follow him. Then you talk about it when you walk, when you lie down, and when you rise. 
And yes, one way to teach our children, one very important way is to go to church, to be here in this building, to be in a church, whether it's here or somewhere else, to be here and show your kids how important it is to be with, another, with the body of believers. That is an important part. I'm not trying to say that's not important. But there's just so much more than that. It's not enough to say, well, we go to church. They know about Jesus. They've heard about him. They know the Bible stories. No, you should write these commands on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let me ask you guys a question. If someone stayed at your house for a week and they'd had no idea you guys, your family went to church, they had no idea that you guys followed Jesus and loved the Lord, like if they had no idea, if they stayed at your house for a week, would they be able to see that? Would they be able to see that your family loves the Lord? Would they be able to see, would they find evidence there at your house for that week that you guys followed Jesus, that you were striving after him as a family? You spend two to three hours a week at a church, maybe four to five if you come on a Wednesday night, maybe another time that week, but you spend the rest of that time at work or at home with your family. Then if you are a stay-at-home parent, add those extra eight hours a day. The time with your kids at home far outweighs the time they spend here or at another church. (laughs) And parents, even if you don't think your kid listens to a word you say, that they're just ignoring you, it's so far from the truth. They're watching you, they're listening to every word you say, and they're remembering. They're remembering. They're keeping it in their heart. They're remembering the things that you do. So my parents, um, I have very fond memories of, of some of the things that they did and some of the things that they taught me. Um, and my dad, I'll always remember that he's a very honorable, honorable man. So he he wouldn't lie. He wouldn't cheat. He would never scam out of anything to, to get anything easy. He never, I just never saw that out of him. He was very honorable in that way. And six, seven years ago, our church had a very difficult transition, a very difficult time in our church. And I saw my dad in a very meaningful way. I saw him lead our church and lead our body of believers in an amazing way when it would have been easy to, to stay, stay back. It would have been easy to just, to just keep quiet. He really led our church in a mighty way and kind of helped us through that transition and through that time. And I'll always remember that. I'll always remember what my dad did there. And I'll always remember how honorable and how faithful he is. And my mom, she's so caring and so thoughtful. I'll always think of her in that way. <clears throat> Anytime family would come to town, uh, stay at my grandparents or wherever, she would, every single night, she would be there. Every single night, we'd be going. She'd make it a priority. No matter what else was going on, she'd show up. She'd be there. She would even, you know, do the little things. It was always the little things, and I always will remember how caring, how thoughtful she was. And to be honest, these things, these small things and, and other things that my parents did over time, I will remember these, and it's partially why I am up here speaking to you guys today. It's one of the reasons why when I asked my wife Emily out for the first time, she just didn't immediately say no. (laughs) Like the way my parents raised me, the way they brought me up, that mattered. And my wife saw that when she met me. And it's why we've been able to lead in the youth group. And and God has blessed us because my parents made an impression on my life. They made an impression to me. And I saw that in a mighty way. And this message too isn't just for isn't just for those 
who have kids. This message here this morning isn't just for um, people who are about to have children. It's for people who are single here in this church, people who maybe kids are already out of the house. There are many different people in your life, family and friends, coworkers that, that are new in faith or younger than you that you can mentor and love. And if they come over to your house, they can see on the doorpost of your house and on your gates that you follow the Lord your God and you worship him and you care and you love your family with your example. They can see that. So I don't wanna just think that I'm ignoring this other part of our church that doesn't have kids right now. It's, it's important for all of us to remember. And this passage is just really important that we all need to love the Lord our God and, and the people and the people we see around us that this example that we're giving, that we're giving to others is so important. The next passage I want to look at together in Romans um, is in Romans, Romans chapter 9. And growing up for me, hearing about Paul. So if, if you guys don't know much about Paul, um, he was Saul first, and he is, comes up more in the New Testament of the Bible. And Saul at first uh, murdered Christians. He, he wanted to get rid of anybody who believed in Christ, but, but God really changed him. He, um, he changed his heart, he changed his life, and he came to follow Jesus and became one of the greatest missionaries. Um, but a lot of times, Paul, I, I thought of him growing up as this meek, mild-mannered man. Like he was just, you know, the kumbaya, like sit and just, you know, very shy, very laid back and, and very peaceful. But when you, when you read Paul's letters, when you read what Paul does, he's a very, very passionate man. He really cares. You can read in his words how much he cares in the words that he uses. As we read here in Romans chapter 9, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sonship. There's the glory, the covenants, the receiving of the temple, the law, the temple worship, the promises. There's the patriarchs. And from them is chased the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. And then when I stop here, I can imagine just a really big, like, however, or like a but, like, it's like a change here. He says, the Israelites deserve, you know, they're the human ancestry of the Messiah, God over all. They deserve to know Christ. However, in verse 6, it is not as though God's word had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. So in Romans 9, 1 through 6, Paul begins this chapter saying he is in much anguish that his brothers, his ancestors, the Israelites, do not have a relationship with Jesus. He even goes as far to say, I want to be cut off from my faith. I want to lose my faith so my ancestors, my people can come to know Jesus. And he says all that. He wishes they could come to know Jesus. He doesn't understand why did the God's chosen people not follow Christ. But, he says, however, it is not as though God's word had failed. So we began talking this morning in Deuteronomy of how important it is to not just be a Christ follower, but live it out every day and live it out in your home. But an important aspect of this, and something I want you all to remember this morning, no matter what you do, God's word will not fail. No matter what you do for your child or for your children, God will work in their heart and his will will be done. So I want to jump to first, verse 14 here in a second. But before we get there, um, just to recap of those verses before, 
Paul starts saying <clears throat> that not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And so <clears throat> in the word, um, in the Bible, Israel are God's chosen people. And what he's saying here is not all who are from Israel are Israel. He's saying not all people that are of the ancestry of Israel, not all Israelites follow me are not God's chosen people. Not all Israelites are God's chosen people. And how to be one of God's chosen people is to follow Christ, is to believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross for our sins, how he died and how he rose again. So he said, even though they're Israelites, because, of their, because they don't know Jesus, they're not one of God's chosen people. And then he mentions children of the promise in talking about Abraham. And if you guys don't know much about Abraham, Abraham he was also a <clears throat> devout follower of God in the Old Testament. And God used him, and God told him, you are going to have many children. Many children are going to be under you, and they're going to follow me. But what he says here is not all children of Abraham are children of the promise. And so what he's saying is not all, children, not all ancestors from the lineage of Abraham believe in Christ, so not all are under his lineage. Or I mean, not all that are under his lineage follow Jesus, and so not all of them are children of the promise the promise being Jesus, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. So to recap, Paul starts with saying, many Israelites don't know Christ. He hates that. He wished he could give up his faith for them, but God's word will not fail. And then he says, most Israelites aren't even God's chosen people. They don't even follow Jesus. And we who accept Christ, even Gentiles or Jews, are truly God's chosen people. <clears throat> then he explains that we don't have to be actual ancestors of Abraham to follow Jesus. We can still be children of the promise if we believe in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ. But all of this, it makes you stop and ask the question, why? Why do the Israelites, God's chosen people, reject him? And then why does God not have mercy and, and bring him to himself and say, everyone can follow me, everyone can go to heaven, everyone can come to know Jesus? Why doesn't God, you know, we can ask that question, why would he not show mercy to everybody? But he continues in verse 14. <clears throat> what then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he has mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. It does not depend on human will or exertion. Your children's faith, their growth, their maturity, their devotion to Christ depends on God's will. Just as Paul can wish that he would be, his faith would be taken away, that Israelites would come to know Jesus and stop rejecting him, it can't happen. He, he knows Christ, it can't be taken away. He can't force people to follow Jesus. It, it just can't happen. God's will will be done. And God's will will be done in your children's life. He will do what he pleases. However, and if you don't remember anything else this morning, please remember this. However, he wants to use you to lead your children spiritually. Yes, God is in control of your children's life. No matter what, 
they're gonna, God's gonna push them to himself and, and bring them to faith if that's, if that's his will. He'll, he will do that. But he wants to use you to be the spiritual leaders in their life, encouraging them, mentoring them, <coughs> showing what it's like to live a godly life. And, and for those who don't have kids or who are maybe along that path to having kids one day or um, maybe you don't have kids in the house or um, you are single here this morning or the teens here this morning, please remember this. It's the same with others that we're trying to bring to Christ, a coworker, a friend, a family member. God will bring them to Christ if that is his will. He will do the work in their heart and in their life, but he wants to use you. He wants to use you and grow your faith by being a part of their journey. He's allowing you to grow in, to grow in your faith by letting his light shine through you to impact others' lives. Emily and I, our other youth leaders, can be a small part of your students' faith, of that spiritual journey. But God is giving you 18 years with your children. 18 small years. We have but a vapor of time here on this earth before, um, before we are gone. It is such a small amount of time. We can only have a few children. And it's such a precious thing to have those, that time, that 18 years, and it can go by so fast. My, my wife and I are about to have our first baby, as I was saying earlier, and we are trying to prepare. We're, we're not parents yet, but we're trying to prepare ourselves for, for having a baby and having that start of our journey with parenthood, and, and we are trying to prepare ourselves to devoted to Christ and trust in him with, you know, his will is going to be done in their life, but, you know, that we're trusting him that he can use us, and we're trying to pray through that and work through that now in our life, and so I want to encourage you all to do the same. Don't take this chance for granted with your kids, and, and maybe they're already in high school, and maybe they're already, you know, about to leave, and it's never too late to just start to, start to, to show that example of Jesus and, and, and what he can do in your children's life, or, or just continue and not forget. Don't take those weeks for granted, those months for granted that you have with your children, and don't take this time for granted, because God can use you in their life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for each of these students serving here this morning. God, taking that time and that effort to, to serve in the nursery, to serve in the kids, to serve on stage in the cameras in the back, God, and just really honor and serve you in that way. It's an incredible blessing. And I thank you for the time at camp we had with them and getting to get to know them. But God, I pray that these parents know that they're, that they're the first and foremost, they're the biggest influence on a child's life right now. And God, I pray that they can um, honor you through that time with their child, honor you um, through that time by writing, God, that you are the Lord on their doorposts, on their gates, and that they're following you as a family together. If you are a parent here this morning, and maybe that's something that you are struggling with, maybe that's something that you think, man, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough? I, I hope and pray that you all are encouraged by the fact that God's will will be done, but he can use you today. He can start to use you today, so you can take that step of faith today and say, I'm going to write God's name on the doorpost of my house. I'm going to, our household, our family is going to serve the Lord. And maybe this morning you're thinking and, and, and the Holy Spirit's working on your heart and you think, man, I've never actually accepted Christ as my Savior. 
I'm not one of God's chosen people. I'm not a child of the promise. I don't know what that is. Well, Jesus Christ came to this earth, born as a baby, and he died on the cross for our sins, for us. And then Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So if, you, if you've never maybe heard the name of Jesus before, if that's something, or maybe you have, and, and for the first time, the Holy Spirit's working in you and saying, I need to accept Jesus this morning, you can do that today. You can do that right now. If that is something you want to do today, as I just said, Romans 10, 9 through 10, you can pray this prayer right here with me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Come into my heart and make me new. Or maybe that is something that God's working on your heart. And after this service, you can come and talk to me, to my wife, Emily, to Pastor Ray, Pastor Ruben, Pastor Andy. And we love to talk to you through that spiritual journey and how you can follow Christ and take that next step of faith and begin to start writing God on the doorposts and on your gates and, and saying, I believe in Jesus and my household's gonna believe in Jesus. Don't be afraid. Take that step of faith today if God is working on your heart. But God, I pray for these people and I pray as we go to, into worship that we are confident, we are proud, God, of, of who you've made us to be and we worship and honor you um, for all you've done for us and we glorify your holy name. Amen. I know there's a lot of people visiting today, and I wanted to introduce myself. I'm Pastor Ray, uh, the lead pastor here, Pastor Ruben here. Um, he's the fun guy, so get to know Pastor Ruben. Fun guy. <laughs> I was out in the parking lot sweating. I didn't realize that's right, how hot that's it was. That's right. Today. You got to meet him in the parking lot. But it's really good to Don't be get here. Too close. Uh, Good to be here this morning and so proud of our students uh, and pastor, I uh, say pastor, well, future pastor, maybe Carter Bradford. <laughs> um, he's our student volunteer. It's amazing our church is full of awesome volunteers all around our building. We got to see some of our young people, but upstairs with the kids in the nursery, just an amazing group of volunteers that give their time. Uh, and Carter and Emily are, are some of those great volunteers. Thank you guys for your service for our students. Um, being a parent, uh, both Pastor Ruben and I are both parents. Uh, Pastor Ruben has way more kids than I do. He's beat me. And, Double. Uh, I've doubled you. You doubled me. So if I have, if, you've truly we, multiplied, man. Yeah. Congrats. Congrats. If we, if we add one more, we can have a basketball team. Dude, sweet. It'd be pretty awesome. And he's like a pro parent. You know, by the time you get to four, it's just like no big deal. I'm still, I'm just on two, and I'm still kind of learning the ropes, you know. But one of the things that I have to eat my words almost every week with my kids because yeah. I'm like, I thought I would never do that or they would never do that. And so it's like, my kids will never. And then I'm like, oh crap, they just did. Yeah. And yeah. I will never say that. Like, dad, why? Because I said so. Ah, every time I say it, I just yeah. want to like, you know, like, can I take those back? Can I take the back? Let me, let me explain. Try why. one more time because <laughs> yeah. there's this scientific reason. Yeah. No, I don't even know what to say. It's just because like, I said so. Yeah. So. Anyway, oh, um, parenting is hard, and, and we understand this as we are raising our kids and as we're trying to do the right thing and make the right choices. It's really tough sometimes to, to every single day make the right choice, and thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the gospel. Um, I was sitting with uh, Pastor Larry Osborne in, in San Diego. He's a pastor at North Coast Church, and last year I got to ask him some questions. He asked some adult kids uh, that have kind of made it through, and they love Jesus, and I was like, well, how did this happen? And he goes, well, lots of prayer, but he said, we always raised our kids till 30. And I was like, you had a basement? Your kids were in your basement till 30? Come on now. And he goes, no, no, no. <laughs> Through the filter of what it's going to matter when they're 30. So I'm going to raise my kids till 30. Like, ask the question, will this matter when they're 30? They're 8, they're 12, they're 15. Will this matter when they're 30? And thank goodness that's helped us put into per per perspective um, our raising our kids. And so raising kids hard. 
We all yeah. need each other, and we make mistakes, and we need yeah. forgiveness. And I think of not only what, what's going to matter, but what they're going to carry with them. So right. we heard a little bit of Carter's story uh, about his, his family growing up and just some of the things that were modeled in front of him that he caught along the way. Somebody said, a lot of things are not taught, but they're caught. Um, That's and a bummer. So, That's a bummer. Yeah, it is a bummer because <laughs> we, we do all this work to try to teach things. Uh, but I think that's like the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Like we can say a bunch of stuff, uh, but as we model Christ likeness, as we model what it looks like to follow Jesus for the next generation, they're going to pick up on our, our, the model that we lay uh, before them, not necessarily the words that come out of our mouth, because right. words can come out of our mouth um, and we our lives can look very different from that. And so um, I think what what are what are our what are our kids going to carry with them? Um, so when they're throwing a fit at Walmart, it's not necessarily right. uh, the fit at Walmart that they're going to remember. They're going to remember remember how we responded. Well, unfortunately, the fit at Walmart reflects on me. I feel like it does, and I'm like, yeah. dang it, leave that in, leave that basket full of groceries. Let me run to the car. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, but it really doesn't. I mean, all, all of us have been yeah. there, right, with our kids. Yeah. Um, these are life goals. This is how many kids I'm going to have. No, I'm goals. kidding. No, these, <laughs> See, these Ruben, are actually you know, come on, man. Uh, jars in in each marble. <laughs> no, we should trade. We should trade. Okay, yeah, that's I that's have, true. That's more, more like it. Yeah. That's really more like it. <laughs> more likely going to happen. No, yeah. my wife said shops closed. So okay, we'll see. Dude, we'll see. Never happens. take your hand off the will of God. Come yeah, on, man. Not, hands on it. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what he does with our future. All right. Uh, but anyways, these these marbles are just a simple illustration to kind of help us understand where, uh, like, how quick life passes. Uh, Carter mentioned in his message. He said, "Life is a vapor. Our time on here here on earth is short. Uh, there are 936 marbles uh, in that jar." Um, and it represents the weeks of life that you have with your kid from the time they're born to the time they're 18. Hmm. Um, and in this jar, the, the, it, the same thing applies. The marbles represent a week of, of life for your kid. But there, this is how many marbles are left. There's only 208 marbles in this jar um, and that is from the time they're a freshman until they're 18. And so if you look at this, you see the difference in time and life is passing quick. And so what we want to just really hit home and really um, try to reiterate is that, man, let's be intentional with the way that we invest in the next generation. I was, I was blown away with that passage. And, and Paul, he talks about how he's a passionate person, uh, but he was something, he was someone who was willing to go to great lengths and do whatever it took that the people who came behind him would have the opportunity to know Jesus. And I think, man, is that true of me? Is that true of us as a church that we would be willing to go to great lengths to do whatever it takes so that the next generation, that, that, that people who come behind us will have the opportunity to know, to find and follow Jesus. Yeah, and so. you can do the math a little bit in your head and you can say, man, your kids, if they're still at home, I've got 400 marbles left, or I've got 300 marbles left, and looking at this, 208 marbles left uh, from freshman year on yeah. doesn't seem like much, and you kind of want to redeem those time, that time. It reminds me of Paul when, when Carter was speaking in the first service. I thought about this passage in Galatians chapter 6. It says, verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And so as a parent, uh, as a grandparent, as a soon-to-be parent or a wannabe parent, let's not forget that even in the times, I mean, 908, 938, 36, 936. I, I want to add to 936 weeks. You want weeks, some extra time. I need extra time. <laughs> but at 936 weeks, it's like, man, I want to redeem that time. And some of those weeks are fails. Some of those weeks, I'm like, dang yeah. it, I wish I could have those back. Yep. But thank God we have 
the good news of Jesus. Thank yep. God we have each other. And then we can redeem the time today. We can, we can make it count today. And so parents, you're not alone. Grandparents, you're not alone. Soon-to-be parents or wanna-be parents, you're not alone. Uh, we're with you. We need a family. And yep. uh, we got a good glimpse of what God is doing in these kids' lives. And they're not perfect. These kids all have nope. struggles, and we get to walk with them. Uh, by yeah. the way, you've got an incredible grip on that thing. I, I, I don't know if I could trust myself with that grip, dude. You're just like, Tsh. Data for my marbles right will be here. everywhere. So, oh, what'd you say first? Don't, don't lose your marbles. Don't lose your marbles. Yeah, don't lose your marbles, parents. So, keep, keep two, the faith. Two handed <laughs> grips on your marbles, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, two handed <laughs> grip. Hold it, protect it closely. That's right. Though. That's right. <laughs> don't forget that here at Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Love you guys. Have a great week. Have a great week. week.